You know, the older I get, and it seems to be happening quicker and quicker, I find myself saying this over and over again. I find myself saying, when I was young, <laughs> when I was young, or when I was growing up. So I say that all the time, and then I'll usually follow it by drawing a contrast between the time I was growing up and the way that my sons grew up or the way that young people today are growing up. And, and aside from the way the world has changed, and the world has seen some amazing changes in, in my lifetime, and if you're my age, in your lifetime as well, and we've also seen these incredible technological advances that have taken place over the last 30 years, but one of the most basic differences I've noticed between today and what people often refer to as the good old days is people's ability to identify the myriad of things that make us uncomfortable in life and people's willingness to recognize, confront, and consistently work through those things that make us uncomfortable in life. If there was a theme for me growing up, <clears throat> maybe some of you guys that are my vintage will relate to this, my theme was this. Life is tough. I shouldn't expect anybody to do anything for me, and I have to pay my dues in life because that's what successful people do. Successful people have to face this tough life head on, absorb the slings and arrows and critiques and criticisms and power through it all. And in the end, eventually, you will reap the rewards for being persistent. Well, we, we tried to raise our kids that way, Beth and I did. We tried to raise them to understand the world that way. And little did we know, actually, it was going to work in their favor, it would benefit them, and it would benefit them more than we ever imagined. Now, our, our boys are 27 and 29 now, but unlike many of their contemporaries, they aren't easily offended, and they're not easily discouraged, and they don't think the world owes them anything. They've learned the value of knowing how to identify and overcome obstacles instead of letting obstacles become excuses for why they can't or won't try to accomplish something. So we thought that was a good way to raise the kids, and as it turns out, I'm not the first person to believe that excuse-making was contrary to living a happy, successful, joy-filled life. Did you know this? Did you know that September 27th, sorry, you've already missed it for this year, is National No Excuses Day? Did you know that? Did you buy anybody a card on September 27th? I didn't know it until recently either. But apparently, in Canada and the United States, there is a movement afoot to encourage people to take challenges head-on, to take accountability for their actions, and to push beyond barriers and beyond procrastination to achieve their goals. Now, according to its organizers, adopting a no-excuses mentality can lead to personal growth, can lead to a healthy resilience, and can lead to the ability to overcome challenges. National No Excuses Day emphasizes taking responsibility and not allowing external factors to deter a person from their objective. So setting clear goals, surrounding oneself with positive influences, self-reflection, and continuously seeking self-improvement are ways to cultivate this mentality because... Excuses. We're going to be talking a lot about excuses. Excuses are a lot like paper walls. 
from a distance. They look like solid walls. They look like you can't go through them, like they're insurmountable. They look like real obstacles that make us believe that we really don't have a choice but to do what we're doing or what we're not doing. But in reality, those walls are just illusions. They're paper, but they keep us from becoming what God has created us to be. Now, as followers of Jesus, we already knew that. Indeed, Jesus' people, as Jesus' people, we're not called to make excuses for why we can't do something. And, and we're not called to live lives of fear. We're called to something much, much better. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the community of believers in Philippi, in Philippians 4.13, you may recognize the verse. Paul said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, if we remember the context, Paul had really just been through quite the ordeal. Paul would always go through these ordeals as he was preaching Jesus' good news throughout the ancient world. I mean, Paul had a life none of us would have gone through. But he said, through all of this, I can, I can do all of this through Jesus who gives him strength. And later on, to Paul's protege, Timothy, Paul said this, for the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It doesn't make us cower. It doesn't make us afraid. But it gives us power and it gives us love and it gives us self-discipline. As followers of Jesus, we're not called to make excuses. We're called to live in the power of love that was given to us as an example by Jesus. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how we, as Jesus' people, can break through those paper walls and move beyond the excuses that hold us back. And we're going to look at that so we can get to that John 10.10 life, that abundant life that Jesus came to give us and the life for which God has equipped us. So won't you bow your heads with me and pray, and then we can get going. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together this morning. We thank you for a great time of fellowship last night. We thank you for the hearts uh, that you raised up and brought here to, to give the kids in the neighborhood just something fun to do, something safe to do, and also so we could share the love of God with them. God, we love you. We thank you, and we ask that you bless our time together today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now before or as we begin, <clears throat> we should all recognize that there are some things in our lives that we should be carrying around with us from one season to the next or from one situation to the next. So we should be carrying around with us our faith and our morals and our values and our friends and our loved ones. We should carry around with us from one season to the next our healthy habits and our productive lifestyle choices. And as we move down the road of our lives, these things can all, in different ways, help us to thrive and help us to grow. But we all have things in our lives that are not worthy of bringing with us from one season to the next. Things in our lives that we should really get rid of. We should really jettison. And one of the things that all of us should get in the habit of leaving behind, one of those things, is our excuses. See, notwithstanding the fact that from a distance, many of our excuses can look like valid reasons, oftentimes when it comes down to it, they're not. They're just excuses. And you can begin to identify them as excuses whenever you hear yourself explaining your reasoning for not doing something that you know you ought to be doing or at least you should be considering doing. When you def start defending your failure to act with the word, 
because. We all have things in our lives that we aren't doing or that we won't stop doing because. Don't get me wrong, though. There is a fine line between a good reason and a bad excuse, and it will be profitable for us to know the difference so we can identify each one of them and then keep ourselves on track to living the life to which God has called us and for which God has created us. Now, how do we do this? Well, the good news is we already have a head start in understanding the distinction between an excuse and a good reason. We already know how to spot that distinction very clearly because we can all see it in other people. We don't see it in ourselves very well, but boy, we can, we can call it out in other people, can't we? Think about it. When we ask somebody to do something and they defer, they say, no, what's our first thought? Our first thought is, that's not a reason, that's an excuse. Son, did you finish your homework? No, Dad, I didn't have anything to write with. That's not a reason. That's an excuse. Or, no, Dad, I didn't understand what the teacher was saying. Or, or, no, Dad, oh, I don't feel good. You get those excuses from your kids ever? As a parent, when you hear your children say things like that, what's your first thought? Give me a break. That's not a good reason. That's an excuse. Which is why we often respond, um, mm-mm, that's not going to cut it. Go do your homework. Or you're making this stuff up. You're just trying to make me think those are actual reasons that you're not doing your homework. I could see right through you. And if you knew the phrases, you'd say, that's a paper wall. You've just created this paper wall in your mind. And now you're trying to tell me it's a real wall. It's a real obstacle. Get to work. And we're not only able to identify it in our children. We can also identify it in other people. If you have employees, you can identify it in them. If you have a boss or a supervisor, you can identify it in them. Do we notice in our public officials that they keep on making excuses and they keep calling them good reasons? See, though we can't always know of a valid reason that somebody has for doing something, and people sometimes have valid reasons. We can't know if they have a valid reason for doing or not doing something. We can always identify a bad excuse. Excuses are pretty easy to see in other people. In fact, as I'm saying this right now, as you're hearing me, you're thinking about a person you know who needs to hear this message. Or you're trying to figure out how you can get one of your kids to listen to this message because we know when other people are making excuses. We can see their excuses a mile away. But when it comes to noticing when we're making an excuse, we can't see at all because we're right. Even if it's right in front of us, we just can't see it. Think about it. When was the last time that someone asked you to do something that you didn't want to do, and instead of giving them reasoning, good reasoning, for why you can't or won't do something, like crowds, like, like, oh, I'm, you know, I I can't use my hand today, I broke it, or whatever. We, We come up with these excuses. Oh, crowds make me uncomfortable. Or I don't really like to go out on Fridays. Or I don't even fit in with those people. Or I'm no good at small talk. What if instead of replaying familiar reasoning, we just admitted to ourselves, listen, I'm just making an excuse. I don't have a reason. I just make an excuse. Well, in this series, I want to help everyone become equipped to recognize the unhealthy excuses for what they are and learn to push through the uncomfortable situations in life so we can readily identify the reasons 
that we do or don't do something. And then we can get out of that habit. We can get out of the habit of making not only excuses, but also letting those excuses keep us from becoming the people whom God created us to be. And if we're unable to accomplish that, at least we'll be able to recognize when we're trying to pass off an excuse for the actual reasons that we're trying to avoid growth in life and growth in Christ. Are you at least willing to consider that perhaps some of your reasons, some of your becauses are actually just paper walls? They're actually just excuses. They're actually just things you've created to keep yourself from stepping into the unknown and possibly failing or at least from feeling more uncomfortable than you like to feel. You know, the uncomfortable thing is a really interesting phenomenon. It's the one thing my kids always said growing up is that's awkward. You hear your kids say that? That's awkward. I don't want to do that, Dad. That's awkward. Awkward. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Listen, I, I know you have a reason for why you created your paper wall. I know you do. We all do. We all have our reasons for the excuses we make. But aren't you at least a little curious to know what you're capable of? What your future could look like if you were able to break through those paper walls? By recognizing and then pushing back against those walls the reasons that you've always used to avoid life's challenges? You see, being able to identify whether you're facing a paper wall reason or valid reason is a skill that has the potential to change your life for the better. Though your reasons for making your excuses might be understandable or even completely valid, isn't it possible that you've created paper walls for why you avoid certain people or certain kinds of people or certain kinds of events or certain circumstances, or certain opportunities for irrational reasons? Isn't it possible you were wrong when you did that? Isn't it possible that you've grown or you've matured since you decided that was your wall, and now you just might be able to win in a situation you would not have even wanted to be in before? I'll give you an example. I grew up as a very anxious kid. I grew up worried about everything. I was afraid of everything. I grew up in an environment in which I was constantly reminded just how anxious I was. I was constantly reminded, oh, well, you're so chicken. Oh, you're so nervous. Oh, I was constantly reminded, and then I was constantly put into situations where my anxiety was as high as it could have been. Well, as a result, I got really good at making excuses for why I didn't want to go places with friends or accept invitations to do anything that would trigger this anxiety or make this anxiety worse. So before long, I began to identify myself by my anxiety. I am an anxious person. That's how I was identifying myself. I figured, listen, I'll just always be that way. I'll always be anxious. And that led me to become quite neurotic. And it led me to become very superstitious. I think some people call it OCD now. I don't know. It led me to believe that my happiness was always just a moment or an unexpected event away from turning to terror. So I made whatever excuses I needed to make to avoid that scenario as best as I could. Well, you know something? When I got to think about it, it was really after I left home and I went off to college. I, let, I went to college when I was 17. I started to think, you know, I don't like that about myself. And they always say when you go to college, you can reinvent yourself. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to start to reinvent myself. I was quite determined to fix it. 
So anyway, I started to take steps out of my safe zone to see whether I could quiet my fears. So my first thought was, okay, join a team sport. That will help you get out of your fears. So what did I do? Well, I loved football. And I thought soccer was really cool. Soccer, by the way, when I was growing up, was brand new. People were playing it. It was brand new down in Miami. Only the most popular people played it. And the soccer players were like the coolest people in the whole school. And they were just cool people. So I thought, okay, maybe if I play football or I play soccer, that will be the answer to getting rid of my anxiety. I was wrong. You see, regarding football, I wasn't fast enough to play the positions that I'm built for, which I would guess is probably a receiver or a safety or something like that. And I wasn't big enough to play the positions that I was good at because I was a really good blocker and I was a decent center. And I was okay on the defensive line. Didn't work for me. It just didn't work out. Big swing and a miss. And as for soccer, well, I could never develop enough skill to keep up with the soccer players that I knew. I mean, those guys, you know, they were all on travel teams, and they had private coaches who trained them. And they always figured out ways to get to the practices and the games. I didn't have anybody to take me to the practices and the games. And so they got better at the sport. So soccer didn't work out for me either. Another fail. So not only did, I, did my attempts at team sports fail, but I had one more group of people to be anxious around. Athletes. I never played football, and I never played soccer again. And for the next 20 years, I always came up with a reason for avoiding sports and athletes. Hey, you want to go play a game on the weekend? Oh, I pulled a muscle. Can't do it. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to get hurt. Oh, I have bad knees. Oh, I've made other plans. Mm, sorry about that. And I did avoid all, avoid all sports during that time until, until I had kids. And when my kids were about five, their friends started playing soccer and t-ball and basketball. And naturally, they wanted to play too. But when I watched the way some of the adults all of whom had been some level of athlete in their youth, when I watched how they were trying to coach my five-year-old and his three-year-old little brother who insisted on playing on all the teams the five-year-olds were playing on, I was shocked. I couldn't believe how these grown-ups were acting, all the yelling and the screaming and the belittling of these very young children who weren't playing up to the coach's standards. You ever go to a five-year-old soccer game? And you hear the coaches yelling at the kids, come on, let's go faster. What are you, a lazy bum, you maggot? Come seriously. It was more than I could take. So even though I didn't think I was qualified, I began volunteering to coach their teams. Because if someone's going to do it, I'm going to do it. Notwithstanding the anxiety I had about sports and sports teams, I dumped all of my excuses and I jumped all the way in. And we signed our kids up for every single season for every league. And I coached every team, every game, and every sport. And I learned. And it eventually became my thing. And to the kids, there are still young people now, young people in their 30s that call me Coach Russell. Now, that's an inconsequential story. Why do I tell you that story? Well, I told it to you to show you the way I spent the first half of my life thinking about myself as the anxious guy. The anxious guy who can't do a bunch of things, as the nervous guy who'd built a at least a dozen paper walls to insulate myself from having to engage in that, in that arena with the sports guys on sports fields, that didn't have to be the way I considered myself or thought about myself my whole life. And now that my sons are grown men, 
living in other states, I remember very fondly that season of life that I spent as Coach Russell. It was one of the best seasons of my life that I had with my kids. And if I'd have allowed my paper walls to stop me, I would have missed that completely. And the reason I'm telling you that story is this. We all have paper walls. Now, do you know what's on the other side of a paper wall? You don't. None of us know what's on the other side of a paper wall. We just think we know what's on the other side of a paper wall. Because we think we know, we're like, I can't do that, I'm too afraid. I don't have the talent to do that. I'm not educated enough to do that. I don't know anybody out there, blah, blah, blah. So is it possible that you're missing out because you have walled yourself in? Is it possible that a because is actually just an excuse? You don't accept these excuses from your kids, do you? You don't accept these excuses from the people who care about you and you care about, do you? You don't accept these kind of excuses at work. So why in the world would we accept such excuses from the person looking back at us in the mirror? All right, now why are we talking about this in church? Well, here's why. There is a direct connection between your ability to follow Jesus faithfully and your willingness to push through your paper walls and acknowledge that your reasons for not committing wholeheartedly your time, your treasure, your talents, not committing wholeheartedly those things to him are not really valid reasons. They are just excuses. There is a direct relationship between your becauses and your commitment to Jesus. Our excuses actually compete with Jesus for lordship of our lives. An excuse can become your master. An excuse can become your boss. Excuses tell you what you can't do. You can't do that. You shouldn't try that. You shouldn't talk to him. You shouldn't talk to her. You shouldn't apologize. You shouldn't admit you were wrong. And before you know it, your excuses are running your life. And you're living in fear. And before you know it, your excuses are actually sitting on the throne of your life. And if you're a Jesus follower, if this continues, you just might spend the rest of your life praising King Jesus, but serving King Excuses. You don't want excuses to be the boss of you, which they will be, until we acknowledge that there are not actual, valid reasons for failing to do what you know God wants you to do. And while, yes, we all have valid reasons for acting or failing to act in certain circumstances, we still don't want any excuses to be the boss of us, as the kids like to say, do we? We don't want to get to the end of our lives and look back on the things on which you wish you would have said or the things you wish you would have done and only then realize you spent your whole life hiding behind a paper wall that you put up either knowingly or unknowingly because of something you heard, something that scared you when you heard it or something that you read or something that you believed in or something that for some reason made you afraid. In the Bible, in the New Testament, there is a sermon given by an unidentified author that was preached to a group of Jewish believers in order to help them to not use difficult times, the difficult times that they were experiencing, as an excuse to keep them from following Jesus. We know that sermon as the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. 
And in the book of Hebrews, the author says this in chapter 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, as you continue to move forward in your life, in your journey with Jesus, get rid of anything. Dump off anything that's going to hold you back or keep you from doing that especially any sin that you're carrying around that could hold you back, particularly anything that you're doing that hurts you or someone else whom God loves. Remember, Jesus told us what? That God so loved the world. And because of his love, God's commanded us to love one another in the same way. So anything you do that hurts another person or that hurts the you beside you, that is a sin. That is outside of the will of God. So think about it. Why is lying a sin? Because lying destroys relationships. Anything that breaks a relationship breaks God's heart because God is a God of relationship. Remember in the, in the Shema, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Echad is the word that means one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But the word Echad is a really weird word. It's actually what we call a plurality of one. I always think of it like this. Think of Echad, think of a bunch of bananas. Whoever lives with you says, please pick up some bananas, a bunch of bananas when you're at the grocery store. Do you come back with one banana? No, you don't. That's not a bunch. You come back with usually three. Interesting how that works. So it's one bunch, but they're three bananas. God lives in a perfect harmony inside of that relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. God is a God of relationships. So because God is all about relationships, then lying, which breaks relationships, that's a sin. Even lying to yourself is a sin because lying to yourself hurts you. And what is an excuse? Well, when you get right down to it, an excuse is nothing more than a lie we tell ourselves about ourselves. I can't do that. I'm not worthy to do that. I'm not good enough to do that. Lies, lies, and more lies. An excuse is a lie we tell ourselves. So when the author of Hebrews said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, when he said, get rid of everything, Anything that's an impediment to you running your race and the sin that entangles you, it includes lying to yourself. It includes this. Now, I know for a fact that some people listening to me today have lied to themselves. You ever lie to yourself? Do you continue to lie to yourself? Most of us have and most of us do. Many people listening here today have put up a bunch of paper walls. A bunch of paper walls have been put into place over a bunch of years. We accumulate these things. We drag them along with us for the rest of our lives. But it's my hope that before this series is over, you'll be able to identify some of those excuses or all of those excuses and then tear those paper walls down once and for all. Because you can't move forward until you leave those paper walls behind. Hopefully, before this series is over, you'll throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles for good, and there will be no more excuses. Because once those walls have been torn down, you're going to be free. As the writer of Hebrews continued, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Now, for the believer, we know that the race marked out for us is the plan that God has for our lives. 
So essentially, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, hey, don't let those paper walls cause you to lose your own race. Don't let your made-up excuses, don't let the things that aren't even real sabotage the purpose for which God created you or block the path that God has set you on. And then he said something that was way ahead of its time. This is really amazing. Next, he addressed a phenomenon that wouldn't take place for another 2,000 years, but it's a phenomenon that has overwhelmed our culture since about 2010. What did the writer of Hebrews address? Well, he addressed the Instagram revolution. Do you know that? He did. That technology has caused a generation, entire generation, to direct all their focus on themselves and not on God and not on treating others with love. Here's what he said next. Watch this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter. Of our faith. He said, You need to quit focusing on yourself and start focusing on Jesus. And as we've said before, if you live for yourself, you only have yourself to show for yourself in the end. Right? People who build paper walls and then live their entire lives behind those paper walls, people who always make excuses, rarely make much of a difference. Paper walls keep you. Paper walls keep me from being engaged with the people around us. Paper walls make us self-absorbed. And they rob our lives of true meaning, the meaning that God intended for us. Paper walls rob the people around you of you. So between now and next week, start paying attention to any paper walls that you might have. And if you would, make that decision to throw off anything that gets in your way that hinders you, that keeps you from finishing the race that is set out before you, the race that God has set out before you. And there's one more thing. Let's go back to our verses. So we're now in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. So the writer was saying that looking to Jesus and not looking at excuses, not looking at our fears, not looking at our past failures, not looking at our personal challenges, that's what God has called us to be doing. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we focus on Jesus and follow him with our lives, he will lead us through all of those paper walls. Now, if you're really following Jesus, you should come to realize that those excuses are irrelevant, period. Get over them. They're irrelevant. They're just lies that we tell ourselves and that we tell other people. Now, here's what it looks like in action. What if instead of coming up with the wise, to excuse the things we make excuses for not doing. What if we directed our energies to coming up with why nots? Why not try out that new thing? Why not reach out to that person that you've been at odds with and see if you can repair the relationship? Why not greet a stranger or compliment a stranger, share the good news about Jesus with a stranger? Why not forgive the person against whom you've held a grudge for 10 years or more? Why not go back to school? Why not finally pay off the debt that's been hanging over your head and keeping you up all night? Why not be honest with the person that you always thought wouldn't appreciate it? See, if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus, he'll lead you through all of that mess. Have you ever considered this? The people who do the most good in the world are often the people who have the most reason not to. They're the people who didn't spend all of their time and expend all of their calories coming up with excuses about why they couldn't do something. But instead, they came up with why nots as to why they should do something. 
You ever met one of those people? Do you know people like that? People that you go, oh, you shouldn't be able to do that. You do that. That's amazing. That's impressive. You ever seen a story like that online? We, we circulate these things. We share these memes. We share these stories with each other online of these people who you look at them and you go, there's no way you can run a race. There's no way you can jump out of a plane. There's no way you can become a millionaire. And they inspire us and they inspire everyone. That's why they go viral. Everybody loves to be inspired by those things. Well, there's absolutely no reason why you can't be one of those people. A friend of mine has observed that there's a direct correlation between our ability to run our race with endurance and our willingness to do that. And it all starts with our willingness to admit that we've been living behind paper walls. We all need to let go of our excuses and push through our paper walls. They're only keeping you from becoming all that God has created you to be. And the sooner you decide to let them go, the better off you'll be. And actually, it's not just you the better off everyone in your world will be. The better off your friends will be and your family and your spouse and your children, everyone. And not only that, if we let go of all those excuses, our community will be a better place. Our world will be a better place because then we'll be free to fully follow Jesus instead of always saying no for reasons that aren't reasons at all. So what do you say? Let's do that and let's move through our paper walls. Amen? All right, so next week in part two, we're going to start looking at how to do that. Don't miss part two. Don't go yet because I'm going to give you some homework. Before we pray, here are three questions I'd like you to ponder this week. Okay, ready? First question is this. If you've ever even recognized and canceled a personal excuse, if you've ever done this already, please share that with somebody. Share with someone from your family or from your small group. We're going to talk about that next time. Second, I want you to think about whether when you're listening to this message, you're reminded of something you tell yourself all the time as a way to avoid responsibility or opportunity. I can't give because I don't even have this under control. I owe that. I owe this. Why? Why are you not trusting God? What is it? What is that paper wall that's keeping you from following God's command? And third, is there anything about which you've been deceiving yourself that you owe yourself an apology for? I'm such a loser. No, you're not. I'm so inadequate. No, you're not. Apologize to yourself. Because, guys, we don't want to run the risk of losing our own race. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us out from the things that we hide behind. God, we know at some level we all struggle with this. At times we're all insecure. We're all afraid. We're all thinking we're failures. We've tried not to think these things, but here we are. Lord, we need you. So now, God, please give us the eyes to see and the courage to respond. And I pray that as a result of our time together today and as as a result of our time together throughout this series, Lord, that we would be free to live the life that you've called us to live, that we would model for the next generation what it looks like to break through the paper walls Follow Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.